It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, hey, hey. Greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in for the second edition of the Brew Dad's Experience. My good friend Chris Elder Esquire is back for the payoff and the tasting of our brewing labors from the previous discussion. So I'm excited to see how things turn out. We have a special tester with us as well. So let's just get right to it. Chris, welcome back. John, great to be here, man. Are you ready to talk about the payoff for our brewing labors? I am, uh, I am extremely excited and nervous to see what you guys think. I am too. Now, did you hear that little chuckle? <laughs> how, how can you not? <laughs> so I want to make sure everybody knows too that the star of the podcast is here, Aaron. <laughs> Welcome back once again. Hi. Maybe people will actually listen now. <laughs> Our numbers will be much higher with Aaron here. Oh, Definitely. please. Definitely. No. Okay. So how are you doing, Aaron? Good to see you or hear you. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. It's been a while. I know. I'm excited to taste the cider. It's been a labor of love for the past month. It's been a month. Yeah, this has been an all-consuming process for your family for over a month now. (laughs) I've described it as an excruciatingly long time period to do something, so I'm glad that we're at this point now. Well, how has that process been? Well, it's not really much other than, you know, as... It, it, I'm sure, I don't know if this was the original sayer of this, but the Tom Petty said the waiting is the hardest part, you know? Now, it is not a hobby for the patient. Definitely. It is a hobby for the patient. Sorry. Yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the labor part of it, it wasn't, it was e- easier than I really thought it would have been to think that you could brew something uh, it's, it seemed like for the for the material that we had, which is really basic stuff, but just fine and very functional, it seemed kind of odd to me that this is what we need to have to make to make this. It's really pretty simple. As in, uh, you, you thought it would be a little more complicated. Yeah, I mean, we had a, a basically a five gallon bucket from Home Depot. Yeah, uh, essentially, right. Uh, the the equipment's not that expensive. It's not that intricate. It's not that crazy. It's uh, to get to get started in in this hobby, it's actually relatively relatively cheap, and particularly if you're making cider rather than beer, it's a actually very simple process. Now I know you're a enthusiast; you do this quite a bit. So once you start doing this, you get a taste for what you're doing, and then you start changing things because there's so much stuff that's available to make the process easier. Not that it's hard to begin with, but there are lots of things where where this can be more enjoyable and, and easier to, to get involved in. There are numerous upgrades you could make to make uh, both things easier uh, and also to make your product better, that you can control different variables along the way. Uh, for example, with cider in particular, uh, we use this Kirkland organic uh, non-concentrated apple juice, right? Pretty easy to just get it, you know, buy it from the, the store and throw it in the bucket, right? Well, uh, out here in uh, Central Virginia, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm sitting here in Charlottesville, where there's a number of uh, cideries and apple orchards that are around here. And what uh, a lot of folks will do, and particularly, I think I mentioned it mentioned it in the the first part of this, was uh, there's 
some avid you know cider makers around here and they'll actually during harvest season go out to these cideries and these orchards and uh, get fresh pressed apple juice right you know as they've kind of harvested their crop and uh, bring their their six gallon buckets just like you have out there and uh, take it right out right as fresh as you can get it and make cider from that yeah that's pretty hardcore i don't know if i have that much patience and maybe if we really get a taste for this and start doing it we will but i i think again we'll link to most if not all of the tools and equipment and things on the website at ambiguouslyblind.com but really it's pretty basic the stuff that we're using and we're we're using reused bottles so we didn't we didn't get you know the real bottles for the bottling enthusiast i can see where we would need to do that and should do that in the future but really for this we just kind of wanted to do the minimum stuff just to kind of see how this works before we decide whether we're going to actually do this again. Yeah. And I think, I think you can get just your basic kit of all the stuff you really need, uh, which will be probably a little bit more labor intensive than anything else you're going to do for, I don't know, $60. Yeah. I would, based on what I know, I would stay away from the siphon. I would go with the spigot on the side of the bucket. Is that fair to say? Oh, I, absolutely. That makes things, using gravity to your advantage is always yeah. a, is yeah. always better. I did see some kits that did include the uh, siphon, and I, I would not recommend that unless you're just really into siphoning things. Now, they do make a really, if you're going to get it into uh, using what's called a glass carboy, which is just a different vessel for the for that fermentation phase, and that has some advantages that over the bucket, but uh, particularly if you're doing kind of a, uh, a primary fermentation and a secondary fermentation in brewing or beer brewing. Um, so you, you're probably not going to need it in cider making necessarily. But uh, you would want to use a siphon in, in that because you're not going to be, there's no, you can't just kind of attach a spigot to a glass jar. It's a giant glass jar essentially. But they do make what's called an auto siphon, which makes that whole process again, exponentially easier than just your traditional siphon. In the process that we used, I certainly would think a the spigot on the side of the bucket is infinitely easier than the siphon. But something else I think I would also change going forward is the conical vessel, kind of like I think what you have. I can see where that would be, make things easier too. But again, the bucket has been, it's just fine. There's nothing wrong with the bucket. The bucket's good. No, it works great. Yeah. And you said $60, that's it? It's about 60 bucks for your basic kit, yeah. Not including ingredients or yeast or any of the other stuff, yeah. Yeah. Now there's flavored ciders. Can you make those? Absolutely. Uh, I don't, just because I kind of like a just a, your straight standard dry cider. That's yeah. got a, a little bit higher alcohol content to it. But that kind of gets into... Uh, adding stuff which are adding uh, or what we'd call adjuncts we talked about in the first podcast and that's essentially adding anything that's fermentable so you can do it two ways one is during your fermentation phase so any like fruit juice for example into your cider and you know, as it's fermenting is uh, the yeast is still is going to eat all the sugars in there not just the apple juice but like i don't know if you add cherry or some other flavor or something else in there and uh, it, it'll eat all of those and give you a different flavor at the end of it. You can then also what's called back sweeten your cider, which a lot of folks do and a lot of the bigger companies do. 
And so they'll make your your cider and uh, the yeast will just kind of go through and eat all the sugars that are in there, right? And then you add something what's called a, like a Camden tablet, which goes in, kills all the yeast that's in there. And then any residual sugar that you add back in isn't going to get fermented in any process. Uh, home, home brewers and people that make it on the small scale will do the same thing, but they'll just chill it. And then as long as it's chilled, it's not going to ferment anymore. But it'll keep that residual sweetness of whatever flavor, you know, if you're adding cherry juice or you're adding I don't know, strawberry juice or whatever to, to flavor that cider. So let's kind of go through the process just a little bit about what we did up to this point. As you mentioned, Chris, we used, uh, we're making hard apple cider here. We use the Kirkland's brand from Costco, the organic one gallon jug of apple juice. We had, we started with four gallons just because we did. Well, it comes in packs of two and six is too many. Ideally you'd want five, but you can't get there. So four is on the money. Yeah. So we did four. And we put that as well as some corn sugar syrup in the bucket. Correct me if I'm, or stop me if I'm missing anything here. Just kind of a high overview. Well, you used a, a, to be more precise, I guess you used a granulated corn sugar. I used a pound to add in as an adjunct to kind of raise that gravity level. We talked about that in the first episode of being the density of that liquid and that thing you're trying to measure because your starting point is distilled water is like a 0.000 and then as you add your sugars and whatever else you got it you're going to add into it your liquid gets more and more dense and so your your reading is going to go higher at the end of it as the yeast is converting all those sugars into alcohol and co2 it's going to get more and more or less and less dense and then the difference between the two you can then figure out how much alcohol you have in your product. So we put the sugar water solution in the bucket. We put the four gallons of apple juice in the bucket. We sealed it. We put the bubbler on. And well, we you put your yeast in. That's the I'm most sorry. important part. Yeah, we put the yeast in after the liquids were in. We sealed it. We put the bubbler on and we put this thing away for two weeks in a, um, 70, a room temperature environment, 72 or so degrees. And then we bottled. Now, of course, Aaron was an integral part of this whole process. I wouldn't uh, say that. What did you think she, of that process, Aaron? Well, I was excited to help. I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult than it was, but it was very easy. And it went really fast. I mean, I was expecting it to take some time, and it didn't. It was very easy. Yeah, once you, it's it's funny to try and explain to somebody who's never done it before, but once you get, once you do it once, it's so much easier after that. Yeah. I mean, after the first couple bottles, it was, I was trying to gauge when to stop to move, what's the thing called? The tube. The bottling wand? Yeah, the bottling wand to the next bottle. I mean, after just a couple of those, I figured it out and we were done in no time. I think really the most labor-intensive part of the whole process was the cleaning and the sanitizing. That's what took the most time. It was the the brewing, or took the most energy, I should say. The actual brewing process, the bottling process, really wasn't that big of a deal. 
So you're, you're going to have a lot of friends that are out there, or some friends maybe, who have experimented with home brewing and doing this sort of thing. And uh, you're going to, they're going to offer you a beer sometime and you're going to, you're going to try it and you're going to be like, oh my God, this tastes horrible. Uh, nine times out of 10 is because they didn't take that time to properly clean and then sanitize all the equipment that is needed throughout that whole process because it can get a little frustrating and because literally half your time should be spent cleaning your stuff. Yeah, but nobody likes to clean. I don't like to clean. I do. Well, see, that's... But I don't like to clean bottles. Which is why you should start kegging, because it's much easier. Or not have kids. Kegging. Kegging the cider? Sure. Yeah, I just kegged uh, my cider today. Nice. Where do you keep that? So I have what's called a keezer. It's a... I've got, I've, I've got four taps in my in my kitchen. What? It's a it's a kegerator slash freezer, which they call a keezer. A lot of home brewers use it. Chris is reliving his college days. Well, now it's not like uh, you know Lubbock, Texas on Fifteenth <laughs> and X, but it's a little more sophisticated than that. Are you saying there's something wrong with Lubbock, Texas at Fifteenth and X? Not a thing in the world. Okay, just checking. What's it, 15th and X? <laughs> uh, that's where John used to live in college, and they had a kegerator there too. Ah, nice. It was nice. But no, this is, so a keezer is essentially you take a, you just buy an off the shelf freezer, commercial freezer from Walmart. Um, you uh, put a, a wooden collar around, you take the top off put a wooden collar around the top and then put the top back on top of that collar, drill some holes in there and put your taps in that. And, and now you have yourself a kegerator, kind of a do it yourself one. And you put a temperature controller on it so it doesn't freeze your stuff and you can dial in your temperature for that. You think we got room for that in the living room? No. Bedroom then. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of folks put them in their garage. I will say that. Uh, that was good. What yeah, I was going to say. You probably have some room in the garage. Yeah, that makes work. a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was kind of the, the process overview. For more details on that, we, we did cover that pretty extensively in the first recording of the, the Brew Deads. So what's the difference between what we did and a kegerator? I think mostly time. Is that right, Chris? So, yeah, the that's your biggest benefit is, uh, well, number one, your time. So it takes a ton more effort and time to bottle. Uh, you have a, and second is just the the ease of just doing it. So at the end of your, your fermentate, your first two-week fermentation time, right, for if we're talking about a cider, uh, instead of then bottling it and waiting another two weeks, you would keg it. And then if you've got a CO2 tank, which you probably should if you're kegging, you can carbonate within a day. What? So that's where we save, <gasps> yeah, like... At least two weeks. About, yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks off that whole thing. But then you said the longer, like two weeks is the minimum. Like you, 
Would, for bottling, we, so what, what's going on in the bottle, in this whole bottling process, when you are doing that, is you're actually having to do a whole nother fermentation process again in the bottle. So the, the residual yeasts that are in that bottle, you add sugar to that and it starts you know, eating the yeast again and producing a, just a slight amount of alcohol, but see, more importantly, CO2 during that process. And, and, in this, and now that it's in an enclosed environment, all of your CO2 gets absorbed into the liquid, which creates the carbonation. But it takes, again, another kind of two-week period, really, at least, to go through that process. So a keg would cut at least 13 days off of that, it sounds like. At We're least. getting ourselves a kegerator. Okay, we've got that recorded. It's, this is recorded. Uh, you yes. may want to have her sign that and seal that. And no, I don't think swear it's necessary to, Swear anymore. to it. I don't think that's necessary. I think the world now knows that. So <laughs> the next time you come over here, if you see that, you'll know why. Oh my uh, so yeah, you can, you can get a pretty nice commercial one uh, off the internet, but I can the, that keyser is a lot more economical option. If you're into that, let me know. I'll show you how to build one. How much is one off the internet? Oh, I'm sure you can get pretty fancy pretty quick. You can get crazy fancy, like thousands of dollars. Well, we ain't that fancy over here. <laughs> I think you can probably get a, a basic one for probably 700 to 1000 though, which yeah. the keyser is much cheaper than that. Okay. We'll look into that. Good to know. Duly noted. Okay, so we brewed... We bottled, we so waited. I think, I think you've forgotten to tell your listeners why we're here today. What is the entire purpose of this? This is the payoff. We are here for the tasting. This is the official tasting of the product that we created. We're going to see if all of that effort that you guys put into this <laughs> produced something that you might actually want to drink. Well, I wanted to ask, going back to the bottles, clear mm -hmm. bottles, Brown, because I know when you did beer, you have dark brown bottles. Does the color matter or just any? So, yes, the, the color of bottle matters. Your clear bottles are going to let sunlight and UV and potentially heat into that, and that's kind of going to kill your, your cider or your beer, which is why most bottles are brown or green that you see in the commercial marketplace so that it doesn't affect the product at the end. So, yeah, heat and light will kind of kill your beer, kill your cider. So you want to be very careful of that. I know that as we talked about that in the first episode where uh, John was going to compensate for that by putting it in those back in the cardboard and put it in, I don't know, would you, did you put them in a closet or something? Yeah. It was dark in there, I would say, the majority of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were in the box anyway, so. Yeah. So I think we're good there. So, yeah, long term, uh, if you're going to keep doing this, I would definitely invest in some brown bottles. And I can also see where those, I don't know what style those bottles are, where the the, the brand I always think of is the Grolsch. Is that the? Mm, yeah. Yeah, the flip tops. Uh, when I was in Germany, I lived in Germany for a couple of years and I brought back a couple of cases of those just for beer bottling because they're so much easier. Yeah, you just have. flip the top on and instead of doing the crimping process. Not that the crimping process is. I had fun crimping. Big of it. Well. Crimping ain't easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. But these, yeah, those come with their own top, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay, well, let's 
get on with this here and let's let's do Taste the tasting. It? Yes, let's do this. I want to I want to see what you guys think. We each have a bottle. I'm re- we've been I'm re- we, we've been waiting a month for this, and I, I'm just I'm jealous. I don't have a bottle in front of me right now to see what you guys think of or to taste what you guys made. Yeah. All right. Oh, you got look at you. You brought me my own bottle opener. We each have a bottle. We each have a bottle opener. Nice. All right, but now okay, we 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 kind of have to set the stage for anybody that might be listening. What are you looking at? What what's your bottle look like? Uh what's the actual cider look like inside? Do you have anything at the bottom? Um so, we'll just make some noise here just to to realize that this, you know, to prove this is real. Any like sediment kind of stuff at the bottom? Right. Do you have any? Not. Do you no, notice any? Not really. No? Good. Okay. No. It's very clear. Yes, I do notice that the I mean, I can see th- through the bottle and can read the logo on it. Yeah, and it was not that clear when we no. were bottling it. So the it has has become much more clear during the process. Good, that's a great sign. And it's the color of cider, so that's a good sign. Well, that is a very good sign, and which makes me very curious to see what you guys think. <laughs> and when I taste. when I kind of shake this, well, don't I, shake There it. are bubbles at the top. I do see bubbles. Why are you, don't, why are don't you shaking? shaking? I just want to make this more interesting. Oh my gosh! Okay, There's I'm gonna bubbles. pop my top. Oh, I heard. That sounded good. That sounded very promising. Yeah. There's some pressure in there. Yeah. So you're topless now. I am topless. Okay. I want to go topless. And Woo-hoo! I'm gonna pour. Oh, you go ahead and pour. I see bubbles. You getting ahead on that? I'm getting yes. All right, and it's, that's good. I hear the carbonation. Oops, sorry. All right. All right. Time for me to go topless. Time for you. Yeah, it looks just like cider. Looks like a. Well, I think that's because it is right. Well, I'm saying like if I bought a can, you know, at the stuff at the store and poured it in, it's. Yeah, and just to set things up here, our control group is we like the the brand Austin's East Cider, the original. And Strongbow. And Strongbow, of course, too, yes. We talked about that. So that's kind of, when, we, when it comes to knowing what cider tastes like, that's what our palate is accustomed to drinking. It smells like cider. That's good. Okay. I mean, if someone told me to take a whiff and I was blindfolded. All right, take a taste. I can't wait. What do you? You guys are <laughs> the, killing me the here. Suspense just, is just killing you. Just take a drink. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Ladies first. Well, okay. actually, let's let's cheers. We're I'm I'm lifting my glass to you too, Chris. <laughs> I'll I'll cheers you on my end. Okay. All right. All right. You ready? We're doing it at the same time. Okay, here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Mmm. What do you think? I like it. It's dry. Tastes like cider. Or drier than what we normally have. But it's good. Yeah, so during that process, we talked about it last time, your yeast went through that whole process and kind of ate almost all the available sugars that were there. So... You don't have a whole lot of residual sweetness compared to what you're probably used to drinking. Yeah, that's the, f- the first thing I probably notice is it is dry, but it's not as not as sweet as I was expecting. Not that it's not that it needs to be like candy or anything, but 
it's not quite as sweet. And I don't know if that's maybe the dryness overpowers that or if it's they work against each other. But so we before we get into kind of what you're picking up there, is it drinkable? Is it something yes. that you would yeah. enjoy? Yeah. I yeah. I mean, that, that's the most important question to answer right there is, do you enjoy actually drinking the thing? I'm impressed. Yes, I am too. Yeah, you guys did a great job. You made, you made that. Well, we had a, a good teacher. <laughs> we did. We had a great teacher. We wouldn't teacher. have been able to do it without Chris. So so Chris was an integral part of this as, an, as well as Aaron. An integral part, yes. Potato, potato. John, John, John had more emphasis in his uh, <laughs> integral Integral. Integral. Now, something I will also note, too, we were talking about the clarity of this. Now that this has been poured into a glass, it is not as clear. Mine is. Is it? Yeah. Maybe it's just because I don't have enough in mine. Maybe it didn't pour enough. It looks a little, it's not cloudy, but it just, maybe I was thinking maybe the oxygen gets in it and it makes it. Mine's clear. Okay. Scratch that. I like it. So you have a a carbonated finished product, it sounds like. We have a yes, carbonated. It is, it is definitely carbonated, and it's just like any carbonation I would expect. From you know, a normal, yeah. It's not more or less than no. what I would expect. I'm, from I mean, the only difference really that I'm tasting is the that it's a drier cider than what we normally have. Although Austin's yeast cider, they have a, a dry cider. Mm-hmm. I can't find it very often, but we have had it, and it was really good. So you guys used a recipe that I, uh, I that, that's the one I use and down to literally the Kirkland's brand apple juice, uh, but I prefer a dry cider. So thought that might be a good one to start with you guys. And now uh, it sounds like you're interested in maybe doing another batch. Is that, is that yes. right? Yeah. yeah, we actually already have the apple juice. Now, but we're using a batch. different apple juice. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Have you, Oh. you only... Use Kirkland's. So yes, I, I've used actually several different types of apple juice. Uh, this I went I, 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 to this homebrew club where a guy came and talked about cider making, and he'd been doing it for many many years. And uh, he was kind of to that next level where he had been talking about you know going down to the orchards like I was referring to earlier, and you know getting the juice there. And they've got all these wild yeasts in them, and so they put these. Uh, sulfites in it to kind of kill any residual yeasts and there's this whole weird other process that we'll, we'll actually talk about here a little bit well, particularly if you're going to try and back sweeten your your cider uh, but I, I was deathly afraid of using just kind of your standard grocery store apple juice uh, so I thought well you know maybe well I'm just going to try a little batch and see how it goes and so I went and, and thought okay well what's the most pure apple juice I can find at the grocery store. And it was that Simply Apple. Uh, you know, there's the Simply, that Simply brand mm-hmm. where it, yeah. allegedly it's just the thing. That that actually didn't turn out very well. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, it, I mean, it was okay, but it was it was still cloudy at the end of the, the process. I don't, maybe I did something wrong. I don't know. But uh, ultimately, I tried a couple of different variations on that theme and then went to and talked to a friend of mine who had actually made a bunch of these. And he said, no, I, I actually, I I use that Kirkland brand. Just go to Costco and that, that stuff works wonders for making cider. Have you used Whole Foods? No, 
the 365 Whole Foods brand. That's what we're going to try next. So I, I haven't looked back. I, I, I just went, once I found something I enjoy, I liked, then uh, I stuck with that. Uh, the 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 issue with trying to change stuff up, I will tell you, is I would highly recommend that you only if you're going to change things up from batch to batch, only change one variable right. so that you know what's what's affecting your end product. So I like was a science teacher, so I know this. You only change good. one variable. So, yeah, if you're going to do a new batch with a different cider, like if you're going to go to all the Whole Foods and do the 365 brand, uh, I would do everything else exactly the same. Yeah, which I think we are. And I asked about the flavored cider, but I've never tried a flavored cider. I just no, we have. You've, you've tried them. You don't particularly like them. Yeah, like the blood orange. I've never had blood orange. Yeah. Our friend Amanda was here. Came to visit us one time. Oh, she that's right. She that did. And, yeah. I, I mean, it like wasn't that. repulsive, but you just didn't didn't care for the flavoring. Yeah. No, I like a true, just you know, normal cider. I don't do flavors. So if we wanted a, this sounds crazy to say, if we wanted a more wet cider. <laughs> What sweeter? A sweeter. Sweet versus dry. Well, two things. I think I don't know if they're connected, but if we wanted it to be a little sweeter and not as dry, is that the yeast? That's the the same thing. And the time you just said the same thing. Okay. So yeah, there's two ways you can do it. The easiest way is uh, you take gravity readings throughout your process, and so that you know at a certain point before your yeast eats all of your sugars, and if you've got that tilt. Uh, you know, that we, we were talking about before, that is ideal for that process. Then you bottle or, well, if you're bottling, that's a little bit more difficult actually now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, you can figure out how to keep sugar in there. The Probably the easiest process if you're going to bottle is you, you throw in what's called a Camden tablet that will then essentially kind of kill off your yeast at a certain point so that nothing changes from that point. Then you wait a little bit, that kind of dissipates, and then you can uh, re-add like your bottling uh, yeast and sugar to kind of go through that bottling process. We do have the tilt, so that's pretty exciting. I will use the the tilt on the next um, batch, and from all my initial testing, I haven't fully calibrated it yet, but from my initial testing with everything, it appears to be fully accessible so that's good for me so i can so that's good for me so i can see the contents of what's happening without any without any extra effort or anything and so have you used it yet and maybe some distilled water or some other thing no i have not gone any further than just basic out of the box testing it hasn't touched any liquid yet what made you guys decide, okay, yep, we're going to make another batch and this is what we're going to do instead of the way we did it the first go? Uh, I don't know. I don't think that there was anything. I don't know why we decided to get a different apple juice. Well, I think the reason we got the different apple juice was just solely for me. I just the, I just like that apple juice personally. The other, the other, the one we're going to try next. It may not be any good. I don't know. I mean, we drink a lot of cider, so... Like a, a lot. Well, let's be careful here. <laughs> I mean, we have been in quarantine. 
So 20, it is 2020 and all. It's 2020. So, you know, it's just like, hey, let's. And when, you know, you've made the cider before and it's like, we're going to hop on the crisp bandwagon and make some cider. I mean, we're at home. We've all got a lot of extra time at home now. So this let's is something, try it. something to do and just have fun with. So. So, so the popularity actually of home brewing and cider making has gone through the roof. I bet it has. Yeah, I bet it has. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we were just talking to a friend of ours the other night. Oh yeah. A couple nights ago, and he mentioned just in passing, he's like, "Yeah, I started. I I just made my first homebrew beer." And we're like, "Hey, so did we? I mean, we made cider, <laughs> but same thing. We were talking about the bucket and the bottles and things like that. So, yeah, I would imagine this is a good time to be in the homebrewing business. Anyway, do you think you'll get into brewing i can see wanting to do it yeah well there, there's some easy baby step processes for that too to get into it that's what i did well i don't like beer but the whatever i tasted that you made when we came to visit one time was really good oh you like that oh, do you remember what it was it was a, it was no but it was it was dark I want to say it was maybe Belgian style. Yeah. So it was not this a stout that I make. It could have been. It, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it. So yeah, my my wife uh, Heidi likes the kind of she loves Guinness, and so I I've been that's been a mission of mine to try and clone that. I, I've even gone so far as to get uh, a nitrogen tap and a nitrox or like a, a Guinness gas mix. So you're not using even the same CO2 to carbonate. You're using something else differently uh, to to try and mimic that. And I've had some some sort of success. But do you think that was what it When you guys were visiting, that was not what I had at the time. So it would have just been kind of a standard uh, stout. It was, really, it was a stout. Now that you said the, the word, it was a stout. It was really okay. good. And I don't like beer. Have you tried any other stouts? No. Well, he- Heidi is not a huge beer fan either, and but she loves Guinness. Is Guinness so, a stout? So it is, and uh, it's just an Irish stout with. Uh, so the style is uh, is a stout, but there's a couple of little differences, and that it's a little cleaner, little crisper than like a, a, a an American stout that you might find. And it uses that uh, nitrogen bubbles kind of in there, which make essentially that it just makes smaller bubbles that don't dissolve as easily into the liquid, but it makes it very creamier and smoother when you drink it. So it sounds like we need to get a Guinness. Yeah, I, I think you should try Guinness. Uh, you know, I, John and I were talking last time in this uh, in the last episode about that time we kind of were sitting at a, a some sort of pub in Chicago, and that I first introduce you to cider uh i had guessed that i might have suggested a strongbow do you know what the what kind you got back then what that was no it was a strongbow oh in chicago yeah in chicago yeah it was a strongbow okay that, that's what i thought i i wasn't 100 percent sure there but i thought it might have been yeah that was my first that's your gateway cider that was yeah i want to say it was like an english style pub we were at anyway so it was good. Look at that. Now you're, now you're making the stuff. Now I'm making it. So is this something that 
you think that most people should, or more people should be doing? Is this something that is actually a little bit more approachable than it seems, particularly when you have uh, three kids running around the house? How, how have you guys found this process? Really, I thought going in, it was going to be a lot more involved than it is. And it, it really isn't. I mean, there obviously there's things you have to do to, to get it done, but not that, not the big of a deal, really. No. And we bottled, actually, we did everything with all three girls here. So, and all awake and it was an easy process for the most part. Well, that's impressive. They were awake. They were awake. Yeah. They were very yeah. interested in yeah, what we were doing. What and actually, I think they're going to write a report and take it to school about what they helped <laughs> mom and dad. Really? Well, well, science class. <laughs> right. A little science experiment. <laughs> they were just very interested in the bot more of the bottling process, not so much the making of it, like the boiling and mixing everything together, but the actual bucket and you know, the bottling part of it they were very interested in. But I should also say quite honestly, if we were doing anything, they would be very interested in what anything we were doing. So we could have been making meth, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> Which we don't. Hey yo. <laughs> Let's give another cheers. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very easy. I mean, if you're going to start, we clanked. If you're wanting to get into the, you know, making of something like this, I would think that, yeah, this is the way to go. It was very easy. And it's not I mean, real expensive. No. And after it was done, I was like, that's it. And John's, yep, we just wait two weeks and. Bottle it and wait another two weeks, and then that's it. Now, now, if you are interested in making a beer, actually, the the next steps that you add on to the process you guys are already familiar with is not that much. Yeah, it involves some heat, some boiling, and some hops, and those. Kind you of would things. need a kind of a big pot. Uh, you could even do it in your kitchen to do your starting point. So. Probably right where we're doing the meth. Probably in the same yeah. area. Right next to that. Right next to that. I mean, you use the same burner. <laughs> so how long would that process take? So it takes the same time about. I mean, it takes about the same time, depending on what you're doing. If you're making an ale, which you should probably start out with, you would start out with what's called an extract kit or an extract uh, ingredient kit where uh, there's... Um, just to make things simple, there's three steps to brewing before you put it into your fermenter. In an extract kit, the first two steps are have already been done for you. And so you're literally just doing the third. So uh, that which is makes it just an easy way to kind of get into that that hobby. So you're you're using uh, you know uh, malt uh, and that's already been kind of reduced down to its sugar syrup or uh, powder, depending on what you're using. There's a dry malt extract and a liquid malt extract that you use in place of those first two steps. And so you start with that base and then add kind of whatever else, you know, your hops and your other stuff during your boil. And then you just, uh, you would need to figure out how to cool it down to room temperature before you pitch your yeast in. But uh, that's, there's a bunch of equipment and processes for that. Uh, and so, but yeah, it, it's really not a whole lot more technical once you, 
gone beyond what you guys are already at. So you said an ale. I mean, like I said, I don't know anything about beer. Is that the same thing as a stout? So, yeah. Uh, so as I talked about last episode, there's a, fundamentally there's uh, two types of beers. There's an ale and a lager. And that really has to do with the kind of yeast you're using. Uh, the ale or top fermenting yeasts, uh, there's a bunch of different varieties of those. And so, yes, a, a, stout, is a, a stout is a type of ale. Okay. I think I even used Guinness in that example. Yes. Okay. I need to get some Guinness at the grocery store tomorrow. Yeah, you do. Uh, at, this, at the same time, what I would highly recommend is you buy uh, or look for a Kolsch or a Kolsch-style yeah. beer. Because that is also an ale, but it is... Generally, ales, like I said before, have a, bit, a lot of body to them, a lot of stuff going on in there. But uh, the Kolsch style is on that far spectrum of being like the more crisp, kind of clean, uh, what you would typically expect a lager to be type beers. Okay. And just kind of notice the difference. But the yeast are similar in that they are, quote unquote, top fermenting yeasts now what if they don't have that what should i look at i feel like they have that though well they should have guinness oh what did he Golsh, what's that uh sorry a kolsch so uh, guinness is the name brand of a type of stout right. uh a kolsch is actually uh, a beer style coming out of cologne germany where they uh it actually, in Europe, I think you can't even call it a Kolsch uh, unless it's actually produced in Cologne, Germany, or Köln, is kind of actually how they pronounce it. Here, uh, we kind of don't really, a lot of our laws don't, or we don't really have those laws. So people will call it a Kolsch, uh, K-O-L-S-C-H. Yeah. It's um, in a green bottle. I yeah. Think. Is that, that's the brand name? No, so that's a style. So you'll see when you're looking at the bottle, it'll say Kolsch style or a Kolsch type beer. Doesn't it have the fun top? Yeah, the like fun top. No, that, top. Yeah. No, that is a Gorolsch, uh, oh. which is a lager, the other type of beer. That is a typical German lager. And I think uh, there's a bunch of those out there. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of those here in the, in the States. But uh, if you're looking for a cool like crisp clean summer beer uh my one of my favorites is that kolsch not grolsch very 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 similar they are similar yeah okay i'll have to look yeah kolsch is a style grolsch is a name brand and they have the cool flip tops with the cool flip tops yes yep okay so once again, I'm cheersing to uh, Aaron. Cheers. With our fancy glasses. Fancy glasses with our really good homebrewed cider. Hard apple cider. And I'm very impressed with what we produced. Yeah. I'm excited about what will happen for the next one. And well, now I'm that, a little nervous since we're changing a variable. Oh. Well, it'll be great. I was thinking our variable would should be brown bottles. So the brown bottles I would actually buy uh, either way. I would not, uh, just because 
it makes things a little bit cleaner, a little better. I would I would just go if you're going to do that, do that anyway with so, the second batch. And where do we keep the, the brown bottles? Can just be we don't have to worry about the light. You don't have to worry as much about the light. Heat you still have to worry about a little bit, and the temperature definitely. But you want to uh, brown bottles are much better than clear. Okay. So we're gonna likely have brown bottles. We're gonna definitely gonna make hard apple cider again. We're not gonna change too many things, but we do have several bottles of this to drink. So we we gotta work through that too. So. So how are you gonna? Are you gonna you know share this with friends? Or are you gonna you know? Now that you're kind of happy with what you made, you're going to... No, we're going to keep it think? all for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, but I think we this is shareable. Oh, I would, yeah. I would give this to somebody to have to have them try. And it's like, you know, the longer it sits, the better it's supposed to taste. Like a Absolutely. fine wine. No, the, the yeast, the, there's still active yeast in there. There's still stuff kind of going on. The longer those sit, it'll get better. Okay. Just like Aaron, she ages well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> so the next time we get together for the Brew Dads, we'll be talking about our second batch of cider. And maybe we'll get into a little bit of beer, but definitely cider. Because as we discussed in the previous episode, Chris, um, my wife doesn't like beer, which pretty much means... I'm a vegetarian. So. I like Chris's beer. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Chris isn't here. So I'm going to try Guinness. Well, that's the thing. I can teach you how to make beer, too, and then you'll like that. And if you get a keezer or make a keezer, that makes things even easier. Keezer, and start, and easier, start, it all see, rhymes. See, that's not a coincidence. Start doing the bull dance and everybody's happy. Feeling the flow. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm excited. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.